have a message for you that I believe that the Lord has, has given us, and it's about you belonging. Don't you want to belong? Have you ever been in a place where you didn't feel like you belonged? Yeah, we all have. Hey, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 11 this morning. If you've got your Bible, your iPad, a phone, and you want to follow along, we're going to look at uh, just three verses this morning. If, uh, if you don't have a Bible or you would just rather follow along this way, all Scripture is going to be right up here on the screen for you. So while some of you are looking for that, I, I always start my lesson off with a story. And this story actually comes from my life. When I was uh, just getting ready for my senior year in high school, August of 1985, good Lord, doesn't that make me old? There is this wonderful thing that happens two weeks before school. For anybody that has ever played high school football, they have this little party called two-a-days. And all, you can hear all the groaning, especially the older guys. So you newer guys, you don't know anything about it. You don't know back when they, they really made you work, when there was no such thing as getting a concussion. You just got your bell rung. And get up and get back in there, boy. And you're like, well, okay. So two weeks before school would start, we got to do two-a-days. You showed up at 7 o'clock. You had to be on the field by 7.30. We worked out until about noon. You went home and threw up for a little while, and then you came back in the evening at about 6 o'clock, and you stayed until it was so dark that you couldn't see anything. It was all kinds of fun, especially for those of us that, that laid around during the summer and ate Cheetos and watched cartoons. I won't claim that, but uh, that is exactly what happened. Well, my senior year, uh, we, got, we got there for, for two days, and there were two guys in the locker room that, that uh, had not been in the locker room the, the season before. You have to understand, in the... The, the school I was in, we were a small town, um, so most of us had been playing together since sixth grade. Now, there was a lot more playing in sixth grade that they had filtered out by the time we were in the 12th grade, but there was not a lot of people that were, by the time you got in the 12th grade, say, suddenly saying, hey, I want to go play football. But there was these two guys that, that came out for the football team, and um, I'm going to try to put this nicely. They were unathletic type of guys. They were not the type of guys that, that had ever played organized football before. In fact, I would have been surprised if they had ever thrown the football around out in their front yard. They were just, you know, those kinds of guys. So why in the world would they think about doing this? Going into 12th grade, well, in, in my high school, they didn't cut anybody from the team. I mean, we needed everybody we could get. So if you made it through two-a-days, you were a part of the team. Uh, and these guys decided they wanted to be a part of the team. The new coaching staff that had come in had said, anybody that makes a team gets a letter jacket. So these guys decided they wanted a letter jacket. So they came out, and um, there were some guys on the team. I was not one of them because that's not the type of person I ever was, even before I was saved. But there were some guys on the team that were going to make sure they knew that they didn't belong. See, and back in the day, we used to play this uh, wonderful game called let's hit each other as hard as we can. And you got to stand there with your arms out like this, and somebody would just plow into you. We also played another game where you put somebody in the middle, and the coach would uh, blow the whistle, 
and you just start getting smacked from all around, and you had to figure out where in the world people were coming from. Well, there were some guys on the team that were going to make sure these two guys knew they did not belong. So as soon as we got out there, they got hit as hard as they had ever been hit in their life. From all areas, from all angles, these guys were just getting plowed into. And by Wednesday, they decided they didn't want a leather jacket, a letter jacket anymore. So I tell that whole long story because they were out of place. They didn't belong. And sometimes we feel like we don't belong. Sometimes we feel like we're out of place. And there's all kinds of reasons why we might feel that way. But when it comes to the front door of the church, all of that stays outside. Because we are the representation of Jesus Christ here on this earth. And you belong. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, you belong. And I want to take just a few minutes, and I want to tell you what Jesus says about who he is and show you that he wants you. So we're in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation this morning. It says, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me, and I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. What a beautiful visual picture that Jesus just gave us. I've never been in a desert like that and, and seen an oasis, but you can conjure up in your mind desert. There's nothing around it. Nothing lives in the desert. It's dead. But there's an oasis. In the midst of, of, of no life all around you, suddenly there's life. And this is what Jesus is saying. No matter what's going on around you, no matter how much death, hurt, brokenness, whatever is around you, I am the oasis in your desert. I am exactly who you need to come to. He said, are you weary? Have you ever been weary? <laughs> Carrying a heavy burden? Have you ever felt like you just had the burden of the world on your shoulders? He said, then come to me. Come to me. So in the next few minutes, I want to show you three things, just out of the next couple of verses, about Jesus. Three things about Jesus. And the first thing is, he's in this with you. He is in this with you. Going on in verse 29, it says, simply join your life with mine. Simply join your life with mine. Understand that Jesus is your partner. He's not your prosecutor. See, that's what the world thinks, that God is up there just wanting to beat you over the head. He wants to accuse you of all kinds of things. But Jesus wants to be your partner in life, not your prosecutor in life. The enemy is the accuser. The Bible even tells us that. The Bible says that the accuser of the brethren, when he's speaking about Satan, the accuser of the brethren. But the good thing is Revelation tells us that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. There's nobody accusing you anymore. All those accusations, all those lies that are coming against you are not coming from Jesus. They're not coming from God. So don't listen to it. He is your defender. 
Jesus is your defender. There was a man named Fiorella LaGuardia. Did I say that right? I'm asking our resident New York City guy back there. He was the mayor of New York City back in the 1930s. And one night, he popped into a night court that served the, one of the, the poorest neighborhoods in New York City. And he went in and he told the, the judge that was sitting on the bench that night, hey, you go ahead and go home. I'll take over for tonight. And the first case that came up before the mayor was a little old woman, and she came in, and she was just dressed in tattered clothes, torn up clothes. And she came, and um, they presented the case. She had, she had uh, been caught stealing a loaf of bread. So the mayor asked her, well, do you have anything to say in your defense? And she said, well, Your Honor, my, my daughter is very, very sick, and she can't work. Her husband has deserted her and left her with two children, and they're starving, and I'm too old to work. you got to understand, this is during the Depression when a lot of people were out of work anyway. She said, I couldn't work, but I couldn't watch my grandchildren starve to death, so I stole a loaf of bread. And he looked over at the shop owner who had come in, and he asked him, well, do you want to drop the charges? He said, no, I do not want to drop the charges. Sir, this is a terrible neighborhood. I'm getting stolen from all the time. She broke the law. You need to make an example of her. And the judge took a big breath, and he looked down at the, the lady, and he said, well, the law is very clear, and you have broken the law. Therefore, you have to be punished. And he said, my judgment on you is 10 days in jail or $10 fine. Now, $10 in today's money would be about $180. So if the lady didn't have enough money to even buy a loaf of bread, you know she didn't have the $180, right? But even as the mayor was pronouncing this judgment, he's digging around in his own pocket, and he pulls out a $10 bill, and he slaps it up there, and he says, and I'm paying the fine. And he said, I'm going to tell you something else. And they were in a courtroom full of people, petty criminals, waiting their turn to, to, to come before the judge. He said, I'm going to fine everybody in this courtroom 50 cents, which is about $20 today. I'm going to fine everybody 50 cents for living in a city where a woman has to steal to feed, feed her grandchildren. So the bailiff went around, and he took up the money, and he gave it to the lady, and and once again, in, in our, our money, they collected about $820, some of it from that very man that was accusing her. You need, to, you need to understand that you have been accused. You have been accused of all kinds of things, but somebody else has already paid the price. Somebody else has already paid. Somebody else has already taken the punishment. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is not here to tell you how sorry, how rotten, how you've missed it so many times. Because we all know that, don't we? He says, yeah, you're guilty. Yeah, you've done it. But let me pay the fine. He paid it for you. So you need to know that he is in this with you. Second thing I want you to know is that he is not harsh and demanding. He is not harsh and demanding. Going on in verse 29, learn my ways and you'll discover that I am gentle, humble, easy to please. 
easy to please. Now, religion does not preach that message very often. They make it sound like that God, God is such a hard taskmaster, that God has made up all these things. He's got all these rules, and if you break the rules, that he's going to come down on you so hard, he's going to squash you like a bug. But Jesus said, I'm easy to please. I'm easy to please. He's your guide, not your taskmaster. Understand that if you connect with Jesus and you allow him to guide you, you're not going to be living over here in a, in a place of judgment anyway because you're following after God. During World War II, <clears throat> in London, because London was being bombed every night by the Nazis, the government and even the king got on the radio and started imploring parents to send their kids outside of the city so they could protect them. Now, if they, had, if they had family, they would send their kids out to the country to be with the family. But most of these kids had never even been out of the city. They didn't have relatives outside of the city. They had never been to the country. They had never even been on a train. But they were taking all these kids, putting them on trains, and sending them out to stay with people they didn't even know. And there was a, a young lady standing on the, on the, the uh, platform getting ready to get on the train one morning. Just a little girl, and she started crying. And she said, I'm so afraid because I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And her brother who was there with her put his arm around her, and he said, I'm scared too, but the king knows where we're going. The king knows where we're going. Life can be scary. Life can be a mess. Life can be full of brokenness. Sometimes we don't know where we're going. Even if you're walking a Jesus walk, sometimes we don't really know where we're going. We're going, oh, Lord, do I take this step or this step? Where do I go? But one thing that is true is that the king knows where you're going. If you're letting him be your guide, he knows where you're going. Even if we're in that proverbial place of walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it's so dark you can't see. I don't know where I'm going. But he says that he's there to comfort you. He's there to walk with you. He's there to be with you. He's never going to lead you to a place where he has not gone before. Nothing is going to surprise him. So you go with him. You follow him. He wants to be your guide. The last thing, number three. He's a liberating hero, not a subjugating tyrant. He's a liberating hero, not a subjugating tyrant. For all the Aggies in the room, that means he came to set you free, not to put you in bondage. Okay? Just making sure. Hook them horns. If y'all didn't watch that last night, you missed one. Uh-huh. Finishing up verse 29 and going into verse 30. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you will be pleasant 
and easy to bear. See, the rules of religion may be hard to follow, but a life following Jesus was never meant to be. It was never meant to be hard. You will go through some stuff, but he'll lead you right through it. He will walk with you right through it. You may have been told that you have to qualify for God's love. You have to qualify for his mercy. But the truth is, the moment that you took your first breath in this life, you qualified. If you're alive, you qualify for God's love and God's mercy. So what do I want you to know this morning? The point of Jesus' message was that no matter what, he's making it easy for you to belong. If you're weary, you belong. If you're hurt, you belong. If you've tried to keep all the rules and failed, you belong. No matter what, you belong. Now, if you're perfect and got it all together, you might not belong here. But, <laughs> but we want you to know from NCC, from the heart of New Covenant Church, that not only do you belong in the kingdom, but you belong here, that you are welcomed here. No matter what your background, your race, your sex, your income, your orientation, your education, or lack thereof, you belong here. You're welcomed here. You're wanted here. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to come to Jesus. We've got a lot of guests here this morning. We've been praying for you. We have been. I'm not trying to be weird about it. But the staff of this church has been on a 40-day fast. So people could connect with God. That all of the distractions would get out of the way. As our people were inviting, we were partnering with them that the people they were inviting could get here. Because I'm telling you, I grew up around church. I saw some great things. I saw some crummy things. But I never connected with Jesus. I saw my dad go through ministry hurt, and I never connected with Jesus. Because I was like, Lord, if this is the way you treat your kids, I don't want anything to do with you. But then there came a day, September the 23rd, 1987. A lot of you have heard this story, which happens to be next Sunday is my spiritual birthday. On that day, I connected with Jesus. I wasn't in a church. In fact, I'd been out partying all night long. It's amazing how you can go from completely messed up to stone cold sober when Jesus shows up. And he showed up. And he messed up my world. Because it wasn't about religion. It wasn't about church. It wasn't about trying to, to keep all the rules that I had been told that I had to keep. It was just about connecting with him. And that's all he asked of me. He didn't want me perfect. He's been working on me for 30-something years now. And I still hadn't got there. He just wanted me. And I prayed the most unreligious prayer ever. Once again, I wasn't in the church. I was in my car. Pulled my car off on the side of a, of, of a little bridge. And I got down on my knees. And all I said was, God, I don't know what to say. 
but I need you and you can have me. That's all I said. And my life radically changed. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. He healed me of so many things and he's still healing me. That's why I'm going to be at Kairos in a few weeks. But this morning, we want you to connect with Jesus. We want to give you an opportunity to connect with Jesus. Maybe you've already been connected with Jesus, but we want to give you an opportunity to be refreshed, to be revitalized. We're going to invite you to to come and let NCC help you find God's dream for your life.